It is Thursday, August 22nd here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smolin. Jared, you can tell that it's draft season and it's peak fantasy analysis time because I am literally recording from my parents' basement at the moment. <laughs> that's the uh, that's what us fantasy analysts do, right? Us fantasy geeks. <laughs> It's the epitome. I chuckled at myself as I was settling in here to do it. But, awesome. you know, kids are still off of school. Got to find something for them to do so we can focus on this stuff and answer people's draft questions. That's what we're here for. We are on the cusp of one of the biggest fantasy draft weekends of the year. We've got a mailbag that's bursting with questions on draft topics. We've got some backfield news, some situations to sort out. Jared and I are going to share three guys that we're personally targeting in drafts this weekend. That'll come at the end of the show. And this weekend, of course, is when the FFPC main event is also firing up. Online drafting at myffpc.com begins this weekend for that main event with the industry-leading $500,000 grand prize. Of course, lots of other league and overall prizes at stake as well, so it's not like it's an all-or-nothing pursuit here. Online drafting will keep going through Saturday night, the day before our first football Sunday of the year. And if you want to get the full experience, the annual live event will be in Las Vegas, September 5th to September 7th. Head to myffpc.com now to register. And Jared, of course, those who registered early already know their draft positions for the coming weekends. We have talked about our approaches from various draft positions on the show already. We have the perfect draft articles posted on DraftSharks.com to show exactly how we would go about drafting from each spot throughout. But we got a question on Twitter this week from Andy DeMarco. He wants to know he is in a draft where they pick their own draft position. It's 12-team PPR, and he's hoping that we could rank the draft positions for him. I think my answer changed over the last 20 minutes now. We just got this latest Zeke news that... The Cowboys have offered Zeke a, a massive contract that would make him, you know, at least the second highest paid running back in the NFL. So I, I was already, you know, pretty confident that Zeke would be there for week one. This makes me a bit more confident. Before that news, I would have said just get a spot in the top three. But now I think a spot in the top four because I'm comfortable if I'm at four and Zeke is the, you know, leftover running back. I'm confident taking him there at this point. I, I agree completely. I, I, I have a tough time. I've answered this question a few times about where I want to be drafting. And it's tough to answer because I really feel like I'm pretty comfy anywhere in the round. It's just a matter of deciding who I target from that area. But I agree that the the latest Zeke report kind of pushes the top four back to the top of the list. So I would go anywhere in the top four, really. And then if I don't get to choose a spot in there, I'd probably go nine or ten next 11 and 12, close to that. Mm-hmm. But toward the end of the round, I would rather not be on the end so that I don't have to wait quite so long to make my picks. I know that I like players who are going to be around after the picks right at the turn at the end of round one. And I would rather not be stuck on either end of position runs as we get further into the draft. And then finally, it's like seven, eight, six, five. Those are all pretty much the same to me. That's the final range I would choose. But again, if I end up there... I'm not hanging my head. I'm still feeling pretty good. Yeah, I I haven't been very comfortable drafting in the middle of the first round, to be honest. I I just feel like the guys I'm taking there sometimes even make it into the second round. And then in the second round in the middle, like you might miss out on the running backs like Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb. 
six, seven, it would probably be my my two least favorite spots. But I'm going to do if I can't get a top four pick, I think five's okay because I still do like David Johnson at five. Pretty confident in him there. But if I can't get a you know, top five pick, I guess I'd like to be at the back half of the round one. So, you know, hopefully lock up an elite running back and an elite wide receiver with my first two picks. I think for me, fifth is like last because really? I, I, I don't I don't see a whole lot of difference at this point between Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb. And or Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, James Conner, and David Johnson. Something about David Johnson just makes me uneasy. But more so, I I, I don't see a a whole lot of separation between David Johnson and Joe Mixon. You watched that Cardinals second preseason game. It was ugly, and now you're you're a little bit gun shy about DJ. That that might be it, but (laughs) it might also be that I like Mixon as a player. So yeah, me too. Um, Yeah, that would be the last spot for me. That's fair. So. We've got that out of the way. As I said, we've got a bunch more questions to get to. Some news and some situations to sort through, though, before we get to more questions from the mailbag. And the first one is the Keenan Allen is back on the field. Missed about a week with an ankle sprain. But now that he's back, it doesn't seem like there's any concern for the start of his season. And I think Keenan Allen's back to being a good option as early as the 2-3 turn. Yeah, Ken Wisenhunt came out yesterday. He said, you know, he, he thinks uh, Allen has been looking good in practice. So I'm not worried about the ankle. I really never was. It never seemed like something that was going to threaten his availability for the start of the season. I, I agree. I think Allen, especially in the third round, is probably one of the safer picks in the third round. Again, like we've mentioned a ton of times, I just tend to be targeting running backs there. But if you did open with two RBs and you want to grab that wide out, I think, I think Allen's about as safe as it gets there. Yeah, and I think that if you do pick at the beginning of round one and you get to that 2-3 turn with a running back, I like Keenan Allen as an option there if Mike Evans is off the board. And I think we'll get to that in a, in a few minutes. But uh, I, I like him in that range as somebody who's fairly safe, might not excite you all that much, but also has the potential to outscore your expectations by the end of the season, depending on how things go for the Chargers. The next one to sort out here, and probably a guy that's going to come up multiple times in this show, Darwin Thompson continues to generate buzz in Kansas City, and the latest is that he has apparently leaped over Carlos Hyde on the depth chart. Yeah, which I mean, I think is a is a reflection of how he's played this preseason. He's looked really good. Um, 5.8 yards per carry, had that highlight reel, 29-yard catch-and-run touchdown. You know, we've even had two separate Chiefs beat writers now predict that Carlos Hyde's not even going to make the final roster. If that happens, we're going to see Darwin Thompson's ADP skyrocket, I think. So I think, you know, now's the time to hopefully get him in drafts before that happens. I'm glad that we're getting all this buzz on him because all offseason I've been like, I don't really want to trust Damian Williams late in the second round, early in the third, but I don't really have my alternative answer because I also don't want to champion Carlos Hyde. And here it is, Darwin Thompson, who we started talking about back in April as a potential sleeper in the rookie class. I, you know, I don't think that we had 2019 in mind when mm-hmm. we were talking about him, but it was eyebrow raising when he landed in Kansas City because of the backfield situation. And now he has come on strongly, quickly, just like he did at Utah State in his two years there. I, I'm excited about Darwin Thompson at this point. Right. It isn't some like guy who, you know, just flashed a couple times in the preseason and now we're all over him. It, like you said, it's a guy we liked. He led the entire rookie running back class in elusive rating last year, according to PFF. So good talent, obviously a good situation, but what it sounds like is only Damian Williams ahead of him now on the depth chart. So exactly the kind of running back you want to be targeting in the later rounds of your draft. I agree. Next up, Matt Nagy said this week, I quote, probably gave Tariq Cohen a little bit too much in terms of workload last year, especially late in the season. Nagy said, what are you doing with this report? So we had heard even before this from Nagy, from um, a few Bears beat writers that 
know, they, they sort of projected Cohen's role to shrink this season. And, you know, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't Cohen's going to disappear. It's just, you know, maybe he carries, you know, 10 to 20 fewer times, you know, sees his targets come down a little bit. And, you know, that with David Montgomery adding to the mix, I don't think that sounded crazy. So I am sort of buying Tree Cohen, seeing a bit less volume this season, but I don't expect it to be a massive drop. If you look at where Cohen's going in fantasy draft, so the guy finished as PPR running back 11 last year. I think he's a long shot to come close to that, but you know, he's he's at running back 28 in our rankings, and he's going running back 30 in ADP. So I I think he's at least fairly priced. Maybe this report dumps him down, you know, ADP a little more. So I think in PPR leagues, he's he's still a fine draft target. Yeah, I mean, we already shaved the numbers a little bit to account for David Montgomery stepping in for Jordan Howard. I think we always expected more receptions for David Montgomery. Obviously, we're in the time of year now where everything gets overanalyzed from a fantasy perspective because none of us wants to waste a fantasy pick. But I'm with you. I I think that this specific report from Nagy, these particular words – don't mark a change over what we were expecting and what we've seen. And really, even if you just look at the words themselves, I mean, Matt Nagy said, especially late in the year, I probably gave Tariq Cohen a little bit too much. His playing time was not up late in the year. His touches were not up late in the year. In fact, over the final few Bears games, his touches were actually down. Tariq Mm -hmm. Cohen barely touched the ball in their playoff loss to Philly. So I think that this particular report came off of a bit of coach speak that wasn't really based in plan or reality so much. And I'm not changing any expectations for this. Tariq Cohen's right where I've had him. I haven't been drafting him a whole lot, but I also haven't been avoiding him. If he's there for me, like early round six, uh, then I'm fine with him. Yeah. It does make me a bit more excited about David Montgomery though. Like if, you know, if Nagy's saying he wants to reduce Cohen's workload a bit, maybe that means a bit more for Montgomery. Yeah, you and everybody else can ride your David Montgomery <laughs> excitement. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, Melvin Gordon's holdout not is now expected to last into the season. We got reports from Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter on that. So doesn't look like it's resolving anytime soon, and it kind of has to affect our opinion more the longer it goes. Yep, and we we dropped uh, Gordon down our rankings a bit more this week, which I think just makes sense the closer we get to week one. I also say though that you know we're we're still two weeks away from the start of the season. Not like that's a super long time, but it's two weeks. You know, I, th- I think it's too early to say that this isn't going to get done before week one. So it's it's really a personal preference in drafts how much risk you want to take. He had his ADP has sunk into early round four. We saw him go in round four. You know, we took him in round four in an FFPC draft we did earlier this week. The increased risk is definitely being baked into his price tag in drafts now. Yeah, I'm going to have a tough time passing on on him in round four. I mean, right up until the season's opening. If I'm drafting the week of week one and Melvin Gordon's not back with the team yet, then maybe I'll let him slide a little past that. But it's going to be tough for me to let him leave round four uh, without joining my team. It's annoying because this is really like, you know, one of the two fantasy questions that we don't have an answer for at this point. <laughs> I mean, people email it to us all the time, tweet it, whatever, and I would love to be able to give an answer, but I don't have any more of an idea than anybody else what yeah. Melvin Gordon's ultimately going to do. All I know is it is different technically than Le'Veon Bell's situation was last year, and I would bet money that Melvin Gordon plays at some point this season. Yeah, and my thing too is I think people overstate how well you need to draft to like come away with a championship winning team. Like, yeah, if Gordon misses eight games, he's going to be a bad pick in round four. But you know what? Like half of the other picks in round four are going to disappoint too. And most of those guys don't have the upside, you know, the first round upside that Gordon does. So to me, 
know, I'll, I'll take that risk in round four and sort of trust myself to, to draft well enough in the other rounds to make up for it, even if Gordon does hold out half the season or whatever it is. Yeah, if you get to the end of the year and you're in eighth place and you're like, I would have won this league if I hadn't taken Melvin Gordon in round four or, you know, even second half of round three, you're lying to yourself and everybody else. Yes, exactly. Uh, so where are you taking Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson this weekend? Yeah, so Eckler, for me, is sort of in that tier of running backs like Miles Sanders, Darius Geis, Latavius Murray, where they all, you know, have some questions about workload. And I think, you know, Eckler will sit ahead of those guys in our weekly rankings as long as Melvin Gordon's out. Eckler's going to have some value whenever Gordon does return, especially in PPR leagues. But I think, you know, he'll be behind those guys like Sanders, Murray, Geis, if he's healthy in the rankings. So, you know, to me, like seventh or eighth round feels about right for Austin Eckler right now. If I do take Melvin Gordon in round four and he's my second running back, I'm okay with coming back in round six and taking Eckler because then you have the insurance for those first few weeks. Eckler was a standalone value at times. He he scored even with Gordon in the lineup last year. So I don't think that you're taking a, a strict handcuff at that point. I don't love it, but... I think it's one way to approach the Melvin Gordon situation. And again, I would only do it if Melvin Gordon is my second running back or even my first running back. Uh, Certainly not if he's my third at that point. Otherwise, if I don't have Gordon, I don't think I'm the one drafting Austin Eckler at this point. Yeah, I I can't say I've taken any of them. I don't think he he just he goes a bit earlier than I'm willing to take him. Yeah, I'm usually looking wide receiver at that point. And really, the whole situation is even another mark in favor of looking at the running backs over the first three rounds. Yep, exactly. Uh, What to do with Tony Pollard? And of course, we got questions on Tony Pollard. Everybody's talking about Tony Pollard, especially heading into FFPC, high stakes kind of drafting. But obviously, all that starts with Ezekiel Elliott. So let's address Mm -hmm. that situation first. And I had written down in the notes that there's no real update. But just before (laughs) we started recording, we got an update. Yeah, uh, again, you know, Zeke uh, being offered that big contract that would make him the second highest paid running back. You know, who who knows? He might be holding out to become the highest paid running back. I think it it shows, though, the Cowboys are sort of willing to do what it takes to get him back. So, again, still expect Zeke to be there for week one. That said, he's still probably my number four overall player. I'd still rather have the safety in Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara at this point. But if I have that four pick and Zeke's there, he's my guy. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, like you said, the fact that we have this report of that kind of money being offered, I think it not only increases the chances that something will get done, but I think it increases the chances of him returning to the field, even if there's no new contract before week one, because if it's that close, I can easily see him saying, all right, we're getting close to it now. I'm going to go ahead and start the season so that I'm ready to go. And I trust that this situation is going to get figured out because he, he still has more than just this year. He still has one more year beyond that left on his contract, right? Right. He does. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think any new deal is sort of like a win for him, even if it's, you know, not even if it doesn't make him the highest paid running back. Mm-hmm. So that goes into our first grouping of mailbag questions. We got a bunch of questions from Facebook. We got some other questions from Twitter as well. So J.E. Enos on Facebook says he's in a 12-team PPR draft. He wants to know who to take fourth overall. Scott Anderson on Twitter asks if Zeke still belongs in the fourth slot, if he has not yet reported to the Cowboys by draft day. And Harold Boudreau, who is drafting this coming Sunday, has the same question. Um, He actually even made a point of excluding Zeke. He said not counting Zeke, who should go fourth (laughs) overall. So we've kind of addressed this question already. Zeke, right now for both of us, is the number four pick. I guess if you don't want to trust him 
Uh, and Zeke's just off your board, Jared. Who should he take fourth overall? Yeah, David Johnson would be my guy there, but it wouldn't be a very uh, excited pick. Yeah, I agree with that. I would not be excited about it. And I probably would lean that way if I were thinking differently and not drafting Zeke Elliott. But that would be my pick at this point. I think Julio Jones or your top receiver is also in the mix. Maybe you just avoid all of the kind of risk with running back altogether and go a different route and trust yeah. that something's going to be there for you in round two, which there tends to be at that stage in round two. I, I mean, I, I still think Travis Kelsey, it, it might sound crazy, but I think he's at least in the mix there for me, especially in a league where, you know, maybe you only start two running backs, two wideouts, and don't have a flex. If you have a shallower starting lineup like that, I think it, you know, it increases the value on Kelsey. Yeah, if it's two wide receivers as opposed to three, Kelsey is better, and I would lean further toward running back. That would push me toward David Johnson more comfortably over one of the yep. wideouts there. Where are you drafting Tony Pollard this weekend where, you know, Elliot's not back with the Cowboys yet. And by next weekend, if we still have no Elliot, where would you be drafting Tony Pollard at that point? Yeah, I mean, as, as good as Pollard has looked this preseason and, you know, he, he's clearly the number two guy in the depth chart because he's been running with the starters in preseason. I still view Pollard as really just a handcuff to Zeke. I don't think he's going to have standalone value when Zeke is there and healthy. I would definitely rather have Darwin Thompson if we're talking about later round running backs. So I don't know if you're taking Thompson in like the 10th or 11th round at this point, maybe like the 12th round for Pollard is where I would start to consider him. Yeah, I I agree. And I'm not going to be the Pollard drafter because somebody is going to like him uh, much better than I do. I think there's going to be somebody in just about every draft at this point that looks at the Dallas situation, sees last year's Steelers, and tells themselves that they're drafting somebody who could be uh, James Conner this season. And I think that's going to yeah. keep Pollard out of consideration range for me because I, I agree with you. I, now that we've established we expect Elliott to be back, I don't think that there's going to be standalone fantasy value for Pollard. They talk about having him involved, but I think he's going to be involved to the degree that like Tavon Austin is involved. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I'm envisioning like a handful of touches per game and you know, he, he'll break a big play now and then help your best ball teams. But I don't think he's going to see enough volume to be someone we can put in our starting lineups. Yeah, certainly long term. I like Tony Pollard and he's his profile on that front has already grown over what mm-hmm. it was at draft time. Rob Tuning on Twitter has already drafted Tony Pollard multiple times. And in one case, he has Pollard on what he calls a stacked team in Dynasty, looking at potentially trading him to the Zeke Elliott owner. He wonders if Robbie Anderson is a fair asking price in return for Tony Pollard and trade, or if he should seek more than that with his first offer. What do you think? I'd say hurry up and trade Pollard before Zeke signs his new deal because you'll probably get more value on him. I do like the idea, though, of sort of selling high on Pollard at this point. You know, I still think Zeke gets a long-term deal with the Cowboys and, and is their guy for at least another you know three or so years. I would do Pollard straight up for Robbie Anderson. I think it, it doesn't hurt, though, to start by asking for a bit more than that even. Yes, I, I agree, especially because Robbie Anderson's a guy that people are going to have mixed feelings on. Some people love him. Some people think he's just a, another dude in the middle range. So I would start asking for more than that. But if Robbie Anderson is the best offer, I would take Robbie Anderson. If you can get a young, established wide receiver, I mean, those guys are higher value than the running backs because they're more likely to last longer, deliver you more productive years. Right. And, and I mean, Rob probably took Pollard in what, like the third or fourth round of a rookie draft. So if he can even turn Pollard into Anderson at this point, you know, he's already made a big profit there. I agree. And looking beyond this year, kind of, uh, we've got one more Zeke question before we move on to other people. It's from Tom Foley on Facebook. He has Zeke Elliott on a two-year keeper contract. And he asks, 
do I trade him or do I hold him? And I think regardless of the contract situation right now or the latest offer, the Edward report, I don't think you can trade Zeke Elliott right now because you're not going to get anywhere near the appropriate return for him. Yeah, I, I would have no interest in trading Zeke right now. I think he's, again, going to show up this year, be a top five running back, and I think he's still a top five running back next year. David Harris on Facebook's wondering about a different running back. He says, is Dalvin Cook worth his ADP, which is early in round two, or should you just wait on Alexander Madison? Who the Vikings do like? What do you think there? Yeah, and I like Madison too, and he's the clear handcuff, so I do think he's one of the better handcuff picks. Um, he, he is going in the 12th round in ADP, though, which is a bit pricey for me for again you know someone who is strictly a handcuff I love Dalvin Cook at ADP and if I can get him anywhere in the second round I think we all know the concern with him is durability but I mean it's it's football anyone can get hurt I think if Cook stays relatively healthy we get you know 14 15 16 games out of him that you know he's he's a Really strong bat to finish as a top 10 running back this season. Yeah, we, we've we been burned in fantasy before by saying, oh, this guy is injury prone because he got hurt a yeah. couple of times early in his career and then forgetting about him and, and not drafting him. I, I, Dalvin Cook's in a great situation to deliver if he can stay healthy this year. If he doesn't, you know, that's why we draft more than just a couple of running backs so that you have some insurance. I agree, Madison looks like a handcuff. You can cuff him to Dalvin Cook. I don't. I'm not the kind of drafter who makes sure to draft handcuffs for my starting backs. I think Madison might make the most sense to somebody who's drafting a zero RB team, where you you know you get a couple of guys in the kind of Tevin Coleman, Miles Sanders range where they're not workhorses, and then you throw in Alexander Madison in the range where if yeah. Dalvin Cook does go down, you know suddenly you've got a starter that you didn't have to bid for in waivers. Yeah, uh, Madison makes perfect sense for zero running back teams. Um, you know, D- David's question sort of to me framed it as: Should I take Dalvin Cook or Alex Madison? If I if I take Dalvin Cook or if I don't take Dalvin Cook, I'm not really interested in Madison in the twelfth round. If I do take Cook, though, you know that's that's one case where I'm pretty comfortable. You know, maybe spending a twelfth round pick to get the handcuff because again, it looks like Madison is clearly that guy, and we know the Vikings want to run the ball a bunch this season. Yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with taking the handcuff at that point in the double-digit rounds. I just also wouldn't feel like uh, like you have to reach well ahead of ADP to make sure it happens. Yep, agreed. Jake Winderman on Twitter asks, he's picking in the top four in round one. He says, is it a death sentence to target Kerryon <laughs> Johnson, Devontae Freeman, Aaron Jones around the 2-3 turn, or is there enough wide receiver value in rounds four through seven to support a three running back start in PPR. So just to clarify, he's saying take a running back in the top four and then potentially take two running backs with his second and third round picks after that. You know, we've talked about that a little bit on here before. I think certainly there is enough wide receiver value in the fourth through seventh and even into the eighth and ninth to support a three running back start, whether it's those specific players or not. Yeah, um, assuming you can start three running backs, so you know that it would you know likely be two running backs and a flex. I actually prefer starting with three running backs, especially now that Chris Carson is climbing an ADP, and you know he he's a long shot now to make it back to you in the late fourth round. So I actually do like starting with three running backs. And I'd I'd say if you do want to grab a wide receiver in the first three picks, I like doing that in the second round, getting Mike Evans or Juju Smith Schuster ideally in the second, and then coming back with one of those running backs in the third. Versus, you know, kind of reaching for a running back in the second and then, you know, settling for someone like Keenan Allen or Adam Thielen in the third. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't feel like I need to reach for on Johnson, Devontae Freeman, Aaron Jones at like 211, 212 to make sure that I start with three. I do like starting with three if I'm in the middle of the round and the players available make sense to me. But I, I agree that I would be more likely to take running back first, 
then a wide receiver, then another running back early in round three. I did follow up with Jake and Adam Thielen and Keenan Allen are two guys that he's wondering if they make sense at the 2-3 turn. And I think so. I mean, ideally, Mike Evans gets to there and his ADP is right in that range. And now that he's dealing with a leg injury, that might even help his chances of getting to that 2-3 turn and getting to your team. And I don't think it's yet a worrisome enough situation where I'm scared to take Mike Evans at the 2-3 turn. But Evans, Thielen, Keenan Allen, I think, are kind of the primary options in that range if you're going running back, receiver, running back. Yeah, Evans is the guy that excites me there. And I don't have an issue with Thielen or Keenan Allen, but if it's you know those guys versus one of those running backs, I'm, I'm leaning towards the running backs. AJ Burns on Facebook says, what round does Antonio Brown and all of his baggage become a value pick? Jared, where are you taking him? I, he's honestly probably a fourth rounder for me, but which sounds crazy. But I, you know, again, I, I love these third round running backs. And even if I'm going wide receiver, I'm taking Adam Thielen and Keenan Allen over Antonio Brown. And you know, I can usually get those guys in the third round. So I think Brown is fine in the third round, but it, you know he's he's just not for me. Yeah, I'm probably not taking Antonio Brown ahead of T.Y. Hilton right now, even with the Andrew Luck uncertainty. Yeah, The third round is where I'll look at him and say, oh, do I take Antonio Brown here? And maybe late in round three, depending on who is off the board at that point, I, I could see it. Round four, I agree, is kind of where it gets to be like, all right, it's Antonio Brown. It's, it's late enough. I got to go ahead and make the leap. Yeah, that Brown is right now for me. He he's right there with Ty with the Andrew Luck concern, like you said, and then Amari Cooper, who has the foot concern. You know, th- those sort of guys with some elevated risk now are, are sort of right there with AB. Yeah, I think that I would take Antonio Brown over Amari Cooper with the foot concern on Amari Cooper. He's just been such a volatile player to this point. Yeah. Let me throw in the foot injury. I'd feel a little bit better about Antonio Brown. All right, we might have to adjust some rankings after the podcast then. There you go. Micah Jones on Facebook says, what rookie not named Kyler Murray will make the biggest fantasy impact this year? Uh, what do you think? I mean, I think the obvious answer is Josh Jacobs, who the Raiders spent a first round pick on. Uh, we saw in that second preseason game, Josh Jacobs on the field for all six of Derek Carr's snaps. So it, it's you know looking like he's going to be something close to a three down feature back. And we don't have many of those. So that, that's going to give Jacobs a good shot to finish as at least an RB2 this season. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, that's why people have been taking Josh Jacobs in round three or round four. Um, If we're wondering who's going to offer the greatest return on their draft costs, though, you know, that might be a little bit more interesting. I think it's looking like a dude we've already talked about once and we'll get to again uh, later on this show. Kyler Murray, though, his price is at least getting into a more realistic range. He's QB nine on draft.com right now, as opposed to QB seven, uh, like a week or two ago, mm-hmm. it could slip to QB 12 or so, maybe even a little bit lower in some drafts. So I, I would be getting some Kyler Murray if he gets back into that range where he's right around the QB one fringe. Right. Yeah. If Murray slips below Carson Wentz and Cam Newton, who are sort of, mm-hmm. you know, my guys in that range, that's when I'll start to start to consider Kyler Murray. I think too, as we get later into August now, if you're drafting against these, you know, people who are using magazines that were published two, three months ago, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's where you're going to see Murray ranked, you know, 14th, 15th among quarterbacks. And I think it's in those drafts, you might be able to get him at a really good value. Mm-hmm. Any other rookies that you think have a, a good chance of paying off at later draft prices? Yeah, just some later on guys. I know Devin Singletary, we've talked about a lot. I still think there's a shot. He leads the Bills backfield in touches this season. Damian Harris in New England, you know, things have kind of cooled on him. 
And I still think he's going to need a, a Sonny Michelle injury, but you know, Sonny Michelle has the extensive injury history. So I think Harris has the upside to be a, a fantasy starter. And then a wide receiver, uh, Debo Samuel, I think has a shot to lead the Niners in targets. Paris Campbell, sort of another guy like Damian Harris. Things have cooled on Campbell with the hamstring injury. But, um, you know, as soon as he's healthy, I think I think he's going to have a big role in that offense. Yeah, and I think that's where I'm looking to add rookies is, you know, round 13 yeah. on where there's really no downside. And if something happens, awesome. And if nothing happens, you know, I look in another direction pretty easily. Yep. Josh Shirley on Facebook asks, is Tom Brady a starting QB for fantasy with guys like Julian Edelman, Josh Gordon, and James White? It seems hard not to play him. And I think the key with Tom Brady here is that he's still going in the 12, he around the 12, 13 turn in best ball drafting. So could he finish in starter range? Of course, but you don't need to draft him in starter range even to like him at this point. And the early schedule could make Tom Brady look like a fantasy draft value right away. Yeah, exactly. I think when you're waiting until, you know, like you said, the 12th or 13th round to take your quarterback, you're, you're basically looking at a guy who has a nice early season schedule that you can use and then and then maybe end up dumping and just sort of playing matchups the rest of the way. So Brady does open home for the Steelers at the Dolphins, home for the Jets. I think I think he's usable in all three of those matchups. So I, you know, I have no issue with with Brady if you end up with him as your quarterback one. Yeah, he's got home games in four of his first eight, two of his first three, as you just mentioned, road games at Miami, at Washington, at the Jets. All of those look like potential starting spots. So if the question is, should I draft Tom Brady 12th at quarterback? No, I would say no to that. But Tom Brady, I think right now is more somebody that you can wait, 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 wait on quarterback and then take him and Kirk Cousins or him and Jimmy Garoppolo or him and uh, Sam, you know, whoever your second guy is, you can take those two guys late in your draft and play with it in the first few weeks and then, you know, stream as needed otherwise. Right. Yeah. Brady's just another name we can add to the list of quarterbacks we can wait super long for and still feel fine at the position. Yep. And, you know, maybe he does end up being a top 12 quarterback and you use him even more than you expected. Joseph Grace on Facebook in a non-PPR league, he needs to choose two keepers among these four players, Odell Beckham, Devontae Adams, Le'Veon Bell, James Conner. Who are you keeping? That's a nice problem to have there for Joseph. Four studs. And it's Case like this, I like the idea of keeping one running back and one wide receiver just to sort of you know get a start at each position. I think it allows you to be more flexible in your draft and not feel like you have to you know take a running back if you kept two wide receivers or vice versa. So for me, it would be Beckham and James Conner, but I really have no issue with any combination of you know one wide out and one running back. I agree, and I would I would keep James Conner first. You know, if your preference is Bell, I don't think there's a big enough gap between these two guys for me to argue against it. And the thing I like about the two wideouts is that they're both high ceiling touchdown guys, which we like for non-PPR, uh, maybe even better than Julio Jones, who will catch a ton of balls, but is hit or miss on touchdowns. So I agree, he can go yes. either way on the wide receivers. Odell Beckham is the more exciting one, I think. Devontae Adams is probably the safer one. Really go with your favorite between them, but I agree, running back, wide receiver. Yeah, Adam's definitely safer if you want to go that direction. I, I just think Beckham has a chance to, to, to you know really you know be the number one receiver this season and maybe even by a pretty significant margin just with his talent and, and playing with Baker Mayfield. Corey Worgen on Facebook says, who is your deep rookie wide receiver breakout for Dynasty? Now, I think there are a few different ways to address this question. So let's take it first like it's a rookie who could break out surprisingly this season. Who you got? 
Yeah, for me, it's Debo Samuel. Um, again, I think he, he has a real shot to lead the Niners wide receivers in targets this season. Dante Pettis has, you know, supposedly been disappointing in training camp, hasn't really done much in preseason. Marquise Goodwin, Goodwin is a starter there, but, you know, he's a trouble staying healthy. He's not a high volume guy. The Athletics' Matt Barrows projected Debo as a starter in, in his latest 33-man roster projection. So I think the opportunity's there. And I, I, I thought Debo Samuel was one of the more NFL-ready wide receivers to come out in this year in this year's rookie class. Yeah, and I know there's been a lot of pointing this week at who played the most first team snaps in the Niners Monday night game against the Broncos. And that certainly matters and maybe it will carry over into week one. But there is also lots of buzz that that situation is far from set at this point. They're still competing. We're still going to see who's filling what spot. So I, I agree with the upside on Samuel and the upside right away. Now, Maybe or Terry McLaurin actually in that vein is another guy who could have that immediate path to targets. Maybe Josh Dotson doesn't make the regular season roster. Maybe that clears an immediate starting job for Terry McLaurin. So that's somebody else that could quickly deliver a lot more fantasy value than we expected even in, in rookie drafts within the past couple months. Now, this doesn't necessarily have to be for this season. So who do you think might be a breakout soon that you could target this season? I haven't talked up JJ Arcega Whiteside, and it's it's been it's been way too long. So I got I got to say I think he if you didn't draft him that he's a perfect guy to trade for at some point during the season because you know I don't think he's going to have a major role this year without without an injury to Elshon Jeffrey, Deshaun Jackson, or Nelson Aguilar. So you know, I, I still think Arcega Whiteside has a chance to even by next season be the Eagles' number one wide receiver. So he's a perfect guy to trade for when he's not doing much during the year. Yeah, if you have a spot to stash somebody for the future, he's a good one to stash. I would say, I I know that the question's about rookies here, but I think a lot of times in Dynasty, the value is not necessarily the rookies, but guys who are a year, two, or three into the league and haven't done anything special yet, and people stop being excited about them and are more excited about the shiny new toys. So I like the value in looking at the, not old wideouts, but you know, guys a few years into the league, check the, the rankings. Tyrell Williams is 63rd among wide receivers in Fantasy Pro's expert consensus dynasty rankings. That's even lower than his what is already his too low ranking for redraft. I think Tyrell Williams could be a top 36 receiver this year, and he's just on his second contract in the NFL. He's only four seasons in, so he's not an old guy yet. He could just be hitting his prime. And then Trey Quinn's another guy that I've mentioned you know, plenty of times on these shows here. Wide receiver 92 right now. So maybe the Trey Quinn owner in your league is a Trey Quinn fan and waiting for his breakout this year, but it's at least worth checking to see if it's just a guy on the roster and maybe you can pluck Trey Quinn for like a middle round draft pick next year. Yeah, I mean, I think Trey Quinn might even be on some waiver wires in shallower dynasty leagues. And then Tyra Williams, a wide receiver, 63. That's crazy. I mean, the guy's, the guy's still in his 20s, just got the big contract. Who knows how long Antonio Brown is going to you know still be playing football. So you, you could get some years in Tyra Williams prime where he's the number one wideout in Oakland. I agree. So thanks for all the mailbag questions, folks. And we will hit that again next week before we get to the regular season. Now though, Jared and I are going to pick out three players that we are focusing on drafting this week. And, and people always, when they ask about players that you want to make sure are on your team, I think people want to hear big names. They're looking for early round picks, but For me, this question always focuses on later draft targets because that's where you can actually target a player. If you're drafting somebody with a sixth round ADP, 
in a point where you're making sure you get him, that means that you have to take this guy in round four, early round five. And there's a much bigger difference in draft position at those points. Whereas if somebody's going in round 12 and I think he belongs in round nine, I can take him in round 10 and I still think he's a fine value for me. Yep, for sure. I mean, you know, I I love carry on Johnson, but if I'm picking early in round two and, and late in round three, he, he probably just doesn't fit my draft plan. Whereas, like you said, these guys going later, they're guys you can highlight on your cheat sheet and, you know, go get them around or two before you think they're going to come off the board. Yeah. So who's your first target for this weekend? I think it's, you know, the guy we talked about, we both had on, both have on this list, Darwin Thompson. We know we want a piece of the Chiefs offense. We know we want a piece of the Chiefs backfield. You know, Andy Reid has produced a top 16 PPR running back in 16 of his 20 seasons as a head coach. And now it's just Damian Williams standing between Darwin Thompson and that lead role. And like we've mentioned with Damian Williams, the guy has never been a lead back at the NFL level for an extended period of time. I think Darwin Thompson might be for me, the only must-have handcuff if you're drafting this weekend, or next for that matter. If, if you do draft Damian Williams, and I'm not the Damian Williams drafter, but if you do, mm-hmm. I think that you got to think about going for Darwin Thompson as early as round nine because he's going to only right. be more popular going forward. Yeah, I mean, really, if I could spend a second and ninth round pick and know that I have the Chiefs lead running back, I, I think that's well worth it. Yeah, I, I think that's fine as well. I would rather wait and just take Darwin Thompson and not have Damian Williams on my team. I have somebody I like better in that second round yeah. slot. But if I do have Williams, I want to make sure that I get Darwin Thompson. Josh Gordon's the first guy on my list. And I think anywhere in the round seven to nine range is kind of where he's going at this point. And I'm totally comfy with him anywhere in there. He's going around the bottom of wide receiver three territory. And I think he should easily be able to at least pay off there, you know, where he's not a disappointment as long as he doesn't get uh, sanctioned by the league again. And his upside from there is as high as anybody's. He's already showed us that. Uh, Even if you don't want to draft Gordon, nobody can argue with his ultimate ceiling. And he's in a stable situation with easily the best season opening quarterback he's ever had. So Josh Gordon's a primary target for me. Yeah, I'm very curious to see where he's, you know, going to go in drafts, especially as we get into, you know, more of these home leagues at this time of the year. So if you're listening and you're drafting this weekend, uh, shoot us a tweet or send us an email and let us know where Josh Gordon goes in your draft. Yeah, I'd be very interested to hear that as well. Um, my second guy I want to get is sort of right right there along with Darwin Thompson is is Matt Breda, sort of that, you know, ninth, tenth round running back with upside. I think, you know, to me, this what looked like a three headed backfield in San Francisco is basically down to two guys. Um, you know, I, I don't expect Derek McKinnon to do anything early in the season. We've heard a few Niners beat writers speculate that he could even end up on short term IR and, you know, miss the first half of the year. Um, and then, you know, in that second preseason game, it was basically a 50 50 split between Tevin Coleman, who played five snaps and Breda, who played four snaps. So I think you're going to get a guy who's seeing a good amount of work in a running game, I think is going to be productive. And then, you know, Matt Breda was awesome last year and he was awesome playing through a high ankle sprain. You know, he's, he's actually healthy now. Yeah. I mean, he was dealing with that for a lot of the year and in and out of games and he had a good season and it was just his second year after being an undrafted free agent. So every time I've looked back at that, I'm, I'm impressed at what he's done and kind of wondering what Kyle Shanahan's problem has been with signing all these extra running backs. Yep. Uh, my second guy is Tyrell Williams, and we've said it already. I mean, he's a good bet for 100-plus mm-hmm. targets, highly efficient player through his first four seasons in both catch rate and yards per catch. He is available into the double-digit rounds. He could turn into a regular wide receiver three this season. Ultimate upside, I think, into wide receiver two range. Not a surprising name, but I you know, just want, I, ha- I didn't feel like I could make this list 
without him being included. No, yeah, definitely good to bring Tyrell up again. And I also think, you know, he, he has been climbing in ADP and not, not nearly as high as he should be going. But, you know, I, I was getting him in the 13th, 14th round. Um, I, I think now it's good just to lock him up in like the 10th or 11th and not mess around. Because it does seem like there's more people that are hopping on the Tyrell bandwagon at this point. Yeah, and I'm I'm fine with him as high as the late in the single digit round. So I'm I'm willing yeah. to follow it, and I really don't think that it's going to climb a whole lot beyond where it is right now. Nope, me either. My last guy is Emmanuel Sanders. Loved him last year, and he was you know awesome before the injury. Um, he was sitting at wide receiver 15 in PPR points, and I, I was avoiding him all spring coming off the torn Achilles. But you know we heard positive stuff all spring about his rehab. He was ready for the start of training camp. He played in that second preseason game on Monday night and looked he looked like Emmanuel Sanders. He looked healthy. So you know, I think his upside, again, extends into wide receiver two territory. Um, still going late. You know, his ADP is in the ninth round. It's climbing, but I you know, still love him in the ninth round. It, Sanders is another guy where if you're drafting against people, you know, using those outdated magazines, you know, he, he's going to be ranked like wide receiver 50, and you can probably get him in the 10th, 11th, 12th round. If I were Emmanuel Sanders' surgeon, I would be doing like an autograph tour right now. <laughs> it is it, it is amazing. My last guy is somebody that I've kind of come around on lately. It's Ty Montgomery. And it's not because I think Ty Montgomery is a lock to be something. It's because he's a late stash. You will be able to get him at the end of drafts. And he'll probably go undrafted in a lot of leagues. And he's basically Gio Bernard. He's a... A running back who can catch passes, who can run the ball. He's behind a starter who will dominate touches in both of those areas. But unlike Gio Bernard, Ty Montgomery is behind a running back who took all of last year off, and we will see how that ultimately affects Le'Veon Bell. So I like stashing Ty Montgomery late in the in a range where I'm not drafting guys I'm excited about. I'm drafting what ifs. And the other side of that is if the what if is nothing, if Ty Montgomery is not touching the ball much early in the season, if Le'Veon Bell is healthy and running well, Ty Montgomery is expendable. I can just drop him if I see a must-have target on the waiver wire. So I'll stash Ty Montgomery and I'm not going to cling to him like he's a life vest. Yeah, I like it. I think Montgomery's that late round locked in handcuff who also has at least an outside shot of some standalone value. I think especially over the first four weeks with Chris Hernan suspended. I mean, you know, we know the Jets have these pretty solid trio of wide receivers and then when Hurden comes back he'll probably be you know in the mix too getting a bunch of targets but over those first four weeks I don't think the Jets have a replacement for Herndon on the roster so I think it's possible Montgomery plays a bigger role in the passing game and it's not like Ty Montgomery has been sharing the first team backfield with Elijah McGuire in preseason games so far it's been his job when Bell's not playing right yeah exactly he, he's he's locked in as the handcuff to Bell yep That's going to do it for this edition of the Mailbag Podcast. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to get all of your questions answered by our always up-to-date projections, hundreds of in-depth player profiles, and lots of insider articles highlighting players and strategies to help you dominate your draft. If you haven't become a DS Insider yet, I honestly don't know what you're waiting for. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShoutDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.